Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Deadology Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Weiner. As you know, there's nothing like a Grateful Dead concert, or for that matter, a Grateful Dead tour. On this episode, the third episode of Deadology, I'll be taking a look at my latest book, The Grateful Pilgrimage, Time Travel with the Dead. On the 39th anniversary of the 1983 East Coast Grateful Dead tour, I went back to all the venues, uh, either got in the venue or as close as possible outside the venue, listened to all the shows, and retraced the entire road trip. So it all started in Richmond, October 8th, the uh, first, uh, first date of that tour, Richmond to Greensboro to Madison Square Garden, New York City to Hartford, to Portland, not not to Portland, to Lake Placid, then to Portland, then to a couple shows in Worcester, finishing off in Syracuse. It was an amazing uh, journey, and I have a great great quote from Jerry Garcia about um, touring and about being on tour at the Grateful Dead, but before I get into all that, I just want to have two little announcements here. First, I got to give a shout out to my friends Alex and Dave over at Working Men's Pod. They run a great podcast. Uh, they cover, you know, they they dive deep into different shows, and they did a whole great section on Dead and Company when they were touring. Um, and they had me on a few times, and pretty much these guys got me interested in podcasting, so I I owe them uh, a big thanks. Check it out, the Working Man's Pod. And the other announcement, uh, just a couple of. Uh, Events I have coming up, um, Grateful Dead Night at Lakeshore, uh, it's at Lakewood, New Jersey, the New Jer- Jersey Blue Claws. Uh, they have Grateful Dead Night this Saturday, August 19th, 2023. I'll be there doing a book signing, and the featured act that night will be Splintered Sunlight, a, an amazing Grateful Dead cover band. Uh, I did this last year with these guys, too. Uh, we had a lot of fun. 90% of the crowd was <laughs> huddled around watching uh, watching Splintered Sunlight, while 10% of the crowd was watching uh, Minor League Baseball. And a very cool time. It should be again this Saturday night. It looks like the weather is going to be great. And then the following weekend, I have a double book signing at the Warwick Winery. Uh, it's also a Grateful Dead festival. This is one of the the coolest Grateful Dead festivals. They've been running it for about 15 years. Cider, beer, food, beautiful stage, great scenery. So each day they have five Grateful Dead cover bands. That's the 26th Saturday and the 27th Sunday. And it goes from approximately 12 to 6 or 7 uh, p.m. going to be a lot of fun. That's the Warwick Winery Grateful Dead Festival. So this quote from Jerry Garcia is from a 1989 Rolling Stone interview about touring. Jerry said, it's an adventure you can still have in America, just like Neil Cassidy on the road. You can't hop the freights anymore, but you can chase the Grateful Dead around. You can have all your tires blown out in some weird town in the Midwest, and you can get hell from strangers. You can have something that lasts throughout your life as adventures, the times you took chances. I think that's essential in anybody's life, and it's harder and harder to do in America. Jerry Garcia was a very wise man, 
And uh, it's kind of amazing that he had this, this thought in 1989, as we sit here in the year 2023, um, where, where you could get an authentic American adventure anymore is uh, it's tough to say. But it was uh, even J- Jerry could see the uh, writing on the wall back in 1989. The Grateful Dead were the, the last great American adventure. And um, man, it was uh, something that lasts throughout our lives and it still does. The times we took chances. So uh, the first time I did a pilgrimage before I did this whole Grateful Pilgrimage uh, journey, um, I was writing Grateful Dead 1977, uh, The Rise of Terrapin Nation. And the thing that was on my mind was Barton Hall. Um, obviously, I was digging into the music, writing about all the great shows from that key year, 1977. And I had to go to Barton Hall. Uh, you know, I just, it was, to me, it seemed like a shrine, like a place I had to, had to go to. It's Grateful Dead folklore. Whether or not you think the show is overrated um, or, you know, whatever, a conspiracy, it's, it's the, the show of Grateful Dead folklore. And my opinion on it, to quick, uh, quickly summarize how I feel about that show, uh, may not be the greatest show ever, but the second set is one of the greatest segments of uh, Grateful Dead music um, ever. So, yeah, it was very, very instrumental to me, and I, I had to see what the place looked like. I had never been to Ithaca. So at the time, I'm living in the Pelham Parkway section of the Bronx. I took a train to Penn Station and then a bus to Binghamton, and then the bus went to Ithaca. And it was amazing. I, I got off the bus. I didn't ask anybody where Barn Hall was. I was in a zone, man. I was like Richard Dreyfus in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I just instinctively walked to Barton Hall. And I got there. I was expecting not to get in. I could maybe take pictures, listen to the music. But lo and behold, I opened up the door and I was able to go right into Barton Hall. And man, what, what a great time. I spent the day up there. And uh, yeah, just listened listen to the show. I played basketball there. It was it was an amazing revelation that you could walk into uh, a hall on a college campus without security and just go about and have a good time. But the, the key thing I took away from it was when I listened to the music, I understood what happened that day. Um, there, was, there was something about the sound of that so unique to Barton Hall. And each inspirational place the Grateful Dead uh, played at had some kind of impact on the music. And I just, I felt like after, after experiencing it in Barn Hall, I better understood how the amazing music of 5877 Cornell took place. So I wrote about that experience and called it a pilgrimage in my book. It was the last chapter of the book, of the Grateful Dead 77 uh, book. And uh, then I forgot about this pilgrimage stuff for about seven years. So let's fast forward. It's uh, May of 2022, and I just came out with a book, Europe 72 Revisited, and I was going to be interviewed by David Gans and Gary Lambert on Tales from the Golden Road. Uh, and the, the date of the interview is May 8th, so it just it occurred to me. I was like, why don't I go back to, uh, to Ithaca and Cornell? Now that I had a car, I'm, I'm living in New Paltz, New York. Um, I got my driver's license back. I'm like, let's go to let's go to Ithaca, man. Check out the waterfalls. Go back to Barton Hall, and do the interview from there. It seemed like the right setting, the right thing to do. So I jump in my car. I'm driving towards Cornell, and 
I just had flashbacks to tours, man, listening to music. That that was the coolest thing. We would get we would, you know, drive around city to city, uh, listening to the Grateful Dead. Just that it was it's not as good as the shows, but there was something about that that uh you know, times we took chances, you know, everybody's getting high and uh, managing your way there, managing your way out. It was just, it was an incredible time. And we were so like just obsessed in the zone with the Grateful Dead all, all the way through on the way back, listening to tapes. And that just really hit me. I was like, I miss the road trips going city to city. I, I miss that Greensboro to New York, all the all the chaos that goes on and everything. And it was then it occurred to me, I had this thought, I was like, I'm going back to Barton Hall, why don't I retrace an entire Grateful Dead tour? My next thought was, that's pretty stupid, no one's done that. And then it became impossibly attractive, man. I was just like, nobody's done this, I'm going to be the first person to, well, I think I'm the first person, I'm not, maybe somebody else did this, I don't know who they are, but I'm going to be the first person on the anniversary date to go back to every venue and listen to the show. And then the, the next step for me was to pick the tour. And it didn't take too long to figure out which one that was. Of, of the years that I saw the dead heavily from like 1982 to 1989, my favorite tour is Fall 83. Uh, the music is, is so incredible from, from that tour. Many shows, you had the, the garden shows with the St. Stephen breakout. Amazing helps slip Franklin's the uh, next night. Revolution Encore for John Lennon on October 12, 1983. You have the Great Scarlet Fire that's immortalized on Dick's Picks. Uh, the Great Lake Placid show after that. So I said, yeah, let, let me let me do that tour. And, you know, I went on with the interview with uh, Tales from the Golden Road. David and Gary were great. And, you know, I said, okay, I'm doing this. The Grateful, call it the Grateful Pilgrimage. And then as it got about a month away from that, um, I, deci- <laughs> I decided maybe I wouldn't do it. But then I got a call from my friend Perry. Now, now Perry's uh, an amazing man- mandolinist. He played in a Grateful Dead band, the Lost Boys, back in the day in the uh, 1980s. And he's like, let's go to Music Mountain on the 40th anniversary, June, June uh, 16th, 1982, and go to the Music Mountain stage. Now, we didn't even know if the stage was really still there. We kind of seen some videos the last time there was uh, a concert at Music Mountain was in 1982. Ted Nugent, I think, was the last concert there a few months after the Garcia show there. But the Garcia show was like folklore to us. That was like uh, Music Mountain is the Jerry Garcia band, is Barton Hall, is to the Grateful Dead. So um, we went back We went back to um, Music Mountain. We found the stage. Um, a, a Korean guy, I think, owns the stage, stores some stuff there. But we, we didn't care. We just went up there, brought out a Bose speaker, re- played the Music Mountain show, had the time of our lives. We couldn't believe that the, sta- the stage was still there. No concerts, just the freaking Music Mountain, this historic stage was there. And nobody w- would know if you were driving by because the back of the stage is to the road. So we, we, were, we were amazed and that, that, that became chapter two in my book, um, the, the Music Mountain Journey. But when, when that happened, I knew I was on the right path. I knew that the Grateful Pilgrimage was going to happen. I was going to do it. And it all began um, in the first, show, the first show of that A3 tour, Richmond, Virginia. 
Everything was just exactly perfect as I took off on the morning of October 6, 2022. After like five days of rainy, gray weather, it was a beautiful day and I was on the road again. And I left from uh, New Paltz and headed down the thruway and it was just like, this is what I should be doing. Um, in the 80s, we kind of developed, it was almost like a deadhead migration pattern. Uh, spring and fall tours would start down south, so you would head down south like I was doing now. And then you head back north, probably going back through uh, Philadelphia or New York, and then heading through the New England states for the meat of the tour and towards the end. Then head uh, to like a place like Syracuse, maybe you might even be ending up in New Haven, Philadelphia, whatever. But there was almost like a, a natural pattern that we were used to, whether it was Hampton or Richmond. It was always starting off down south, heading back through New York, seeing some shows in that area, going further north, then kind of settling back somewhere towards the New York area. Deadhead migration. <laughs> it was like, I, this is what, it felt so natural doing it like it's what I should be doing. As crazy as the Grateful Pilgrimage was. The other thing I decided was, besides the obvious tour dates I was going to go see, um, was to stop off at other Grateful Dead shrines. So on my way down uh, down south, starting off the, the uh, journey, uh, my first stop was Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I saw a Stabler Arena. I wasn't at those shows. I had just become a deadhead at the time. But um, Jerry Garcia Band played a great show in 1981 at Stabler Arena. And later in the year, the Grateful Dead were there. September 25th, ni- September 25th. So uh, Lehigh is a shrine, and um, that that night I stayed in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I returned to City Island, where the Grateful Dead played in 83 and 84. Um, I was at those shows, so it was pretty cool to return there. Uh, they hadn't had a concert there in 20, 30 years. I was talking to people, they like, they had concerts here? I didn't realize that. Obviously, there was a lot, lot younger people. They were playing kickball after work and that type thing. But I was actually out on that City Island field again. It was like... <laughs> incredible and um after city island it was down to richmond richmond virginia and i was there for october 8th 39 years after the uh opening show there and in later episodes as uh october rolls around i'll get more into the in in future podcasts i'll get into more of the music about those but i just want to give a brief uh, sketch here of the grateful pilgrimage so i get to richmond um the richmond coliseum is almost extinct right now it's um there's a fence around it. There's been a fence around it for a few years. Kind of sad because the Grateful Dead have a nice little history there. And I think they're going to build a new arena there or something, but it's just sitting there. It's, it's kind of crazy. So I listened to uh, 10883 outside the place, enjoyed my time in Richmond, went down to Greensboro for the following show. The, the southern southern parts of the tour always involved a lot of driving, so I had to, had to move quickly. Um down, down in Greensboro, I pulled into where is now the huge Greenboro Complex. They got many different arenas there, but the Greenboro Coliseum is the biggest one. I believe it's the biggest indoor sporting arena in the United States. Um, I, th- I think that's correct. And I was going to see a comedy show there on October 9th just to, to get into the arena so I could listen to the Grateful Dead show. I was going to enjoy the comedy too, but the comedy show got canceled. So I had to improvise, man. Just like the old days, you're on tour with the Grateful Dead. Got to improvise. I um, just went out to the parking lot, and they were having one Carolina Big Dog show. 
people with their pit bulls were showing up and going to one of the smaller venues. And um, <laughs> I'm sitting out there with a Bose speaker playing October 9th, 1983, show that opened with Shakedown Samson, having the time of my life, drinking beer. It was a beautiful day. Uh, people thought I was nuts, but maybe I maybe I am nuts. But uh, <laughs> I thought they were pretty nuts, uh, walking around with their pit bulls and didn't look like they were having that much fun. But it was... Uh, it was improvising on this thing, just however I was going to get into the venue, or if I couldn't get in, I was going to be outside, and I was going to re- relive the 1983 experience. And then the drive from Greensboro back to New York was uh, <laughs> it was a lo- it was a long, long drive, man. It reminded me of the 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 uh, I would call it like tour lag, road lag, where you just um, too much drinking, too much coffee, too much partying, you know, whatever. You just you could barely keep your eyes on the road. But I used to have friends who would take over the wheel. This was all me. So I had to drive back from uh, Greensboro to New York. But I did make a stop off in uh, Bethlehem on the way back that Oktoberfest. So I wanted to maximize the, the road trip, enjoy it, enjoy it as much as I could. But also while I'm doing that, this is the pilgrimage is a tale of two road trips. What I'm doing in the current, but also I reflect back on who I was with in 1983 and all the crazy things. And man, we ran into some shit down in Greensboro after the show. We, um, my friend got pulled over for speeding. He was thrown into jail. I had to pull weed out of his pocket so we didn't get busted for that. Uh, 15 minutes later, I was pulled over for speeding. Uh, the North Carolina uh, cops were re- ready for anybody with the Yankee plate, it appeared. And um, yeah, so it was just, um, I reflect back on the craziness of uh, what happened in 1983, the times when we took chances as the dueling road trips, as I I do it now, and I did it now in the present, you know, an older man, 39 years later, but still very much in spirit. I was the guy, same guy as 1983, who um, was getting pulled over in Greensboro for speeding, except this time I avoided the speeding and I stayed in some nicer hotels. So my next stop was Madison Square Garden, New York City on October 11th. And New York City in 2022 is exciting, but crazy expensive. Back in the day, it was a little more dangerous. I don't know which one which one is better, but it was a way different scene. But New York City is always chaotic, fun, and Madison Square Garden is the place to be. Uh, in 83, they obviously broke out the St. Stephen on October 11th, and man, what a night! What a night that was, man. That that, that night lives in folklore too. And um, so I had to get into Madison Square Garden. This is uh, this is what I had to do in 2022. And it was a cool thing. The Rangers had opening night. They were playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Stanley Cup champions opening night. I'm not a Ranger fan. I'm an Islander fan. Didn't let anybody in uh, Madison Square Garden know that on that night. But uh, went in there opening night, got my headphones on, memories flooding back from all the great shows I've seen in Madison Square Garden. And I'm listening to the the space, St. Stephen, uh, crowds going nuts. At the same time, the, and during the Ranger game, they're introducing the Rangers on opening night. The place is going nuts, too. So I felt the vibration and the excitement in the present of a New York City crowd going nuts over the Rangers as the dead broke into St. Stephen. So, yeah, that, that, that was pretty amazing. And later, later on, I listened to the help of Franklin's from the following night. What a great version that is, man. That's, I think that, that, well, I don't think, I know that's my favorite. Help on the way, Slipknot Franklin's. And, um, yeah, just uh, two two powerful shows. It was so cool, the whole 
going to Madison Square Garden, riding on the Palisades, this this uh, road where I have so much history with the Grateful Dead. I, I fell in love with the Grateful Dead on Europe 72 on the Palisades Parkway, listening to Ramble on Rose. Uh, that was the first time I was like, geez, these guys are pretty amazing. So there was all kinds of great memories coming back. And after leaving New York City and leaving a lot of money behind, I went to Hartford Civic Center. Two nights there was the uh, next tour itinerary. And I got into Hartford that night. There was another hockey game, but there was only a couple hundred people on hand. It was the University of Connecticut Huskies versus the Ohio State Buckeyes. And it worked out perfect, man. It was like the complete opposite of the Madison Square Garden experience. Um, I was able to, I had the place to myself, which was very cool. So, you know, um, beers were less expensive. I didn't spend much money. I'm in Hartford. And um, I wouldn't say I was dancing in the aisles as much as I was frolicking around. But I went up to the to the top. Well, I, I stood in the spot where I actually was that night for the for the Hartford show, right across the street, right across the street, <laughs> right across the uh, stage from Garcia. About one, usually in the first section. I, lo- I love to just have that that view of Garcia's guitar turned towards me, and I could just lock in and dance and frolic, whatever you want to call it, shadow box. But um, yeah, so I went up to the upper deck put on that Scarlet Fire, which might be the greatest Scarlet Fire ever. And here I am on the anniversary of that show in the Hartford Civic Center, um, just totally t- having having the place to myself, listening to the Scarlet Fire. It was so cool. And by the way, it's not called the Hartford Civic Center anymore. It's the XL Center. So that's, that's another little uh, funny theme throughout the book, man. It's like some places maintain their their identity, like uh, the Greensboro Coliseum, Madison Square Garden, but pretty much every other place changed their changed their name. Corporate America bought into it. And when that happens, um, these you, you kind of lose a sense of history. Um, if the Hartford Civic Center is not the Hartford Civic Center anymore, it's the XL Center, and who knows what it will be five years from now, will it be another name? You lose the continuity of history a little bit. But uh, yeah, very, very cool thing to do, get inside the Hartford Civic Center on the anniversary date. It was also Trey's first show, Trey from Fish's first show. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of cool stuff to think about as I was there. Uh, the next stop was the big one. After Hartford, after two shows in Hartford, I couldn't wait to get to Lake Placid. That was, if there was one real show that or one place and venue that I had to return to that I was off the charts excited for, it was the return to Lake Placid. For uh, obvious reasons, let's go back to 1980 Lake Placid, the uh, miracle on ice. I was 16 at the time, and when uh, the, the U.S. beat the Soviet Union 4-3 to and then went on to win the, win the gold medal, it, it was like such an exciting event. You, um, If you're a little, old, old, a little younger, you, you can't even appreciate how big it was. Because everybody was focused on the Olympics, everybody in the world, everybody in the Soviet Union, everybody in America. These days, entertainment's so split. The, the Olympics, I, I can't even name one person that was in the, in the winter or summer Olympics last year. It's, but back in the day, you knew it, man. Uh, Jim McKay, Howard Cosell, that, they announced these things like it was life and death. And it was that happened to be the voted the greatest sports moment of the 20th century when the United States team won won the Olympic medal. And it was every bit as exciting as the movies portray and incredible. 
So the Grateful Dead played there three years later. I'm 19 at the time. Grateful Dead, Lake Placid, we were so psyched about it. But here was the uh, issue. You know, it's um, we, we're driving from wherever we came from. I think I picked up my friend Doug from Albany. We get up to Lake Placid. It was probably two, only two or three hours before the show. Uh, another thing, you had to break out roadmaps to find out where you were going back in the day. You didn't have GPS, so... Uh, anywhere you're going, you could lose an hour to, uh, to getting lost because, <laughs> because you don't have a map or something. But uh, we made it to Lake Placid. But when you, you're a Grateful Dead fan, you get to Lake Placid. You're going into that parking lot. Everybody's pumped up. Everybody's getting their pregame show on. So it was cool to see uh, you know, Olympic Center and everything, but it was hard to really grasp the whole, uh, the whole history of that because you're in the current, you're caught up in the Grateful Dead. And it was a great thing to be caught up in because they took the stage that night. They opened up with a sugary. It's the best sugary I ever saw, man. And the whole night, this was the... There were so many great shows this tour, but from start to finish, this was the show of the tour. The Grateful Dead were pumped, man. Garcia had such a great night. He he was so moved to be playing in Lake Placid. And um, the the cool thing, I get up there in the present. I go to to Lake Lake Placid in the year 2022. It's now called Herb Brooks Arena, obviously for the great coach. That's one name change of a venue I could live with. I, I actually like it, obviously. Herb, Herb Brooks was the man. But um, you, you get up to Lake Placid. It's such a beautiful town. See the Olympic Village, the mountains. This was all stuff I really couldn't take in because we were so in the moment with the Grateful Dead. And um, that, that was this is part of the beauty of the Grateful Pilgrimage, to go back and see everything again with without all the... not all the pageantry, I was going to say pressure, which would have been the wrong word, pageantry of the uh, Grateful Dead traveling circus, you know, and, and everything that goes on with that. And the cool thing is you go to Herbrook's Arena, you open up the door, you could just go in there every single day. The place is open. It's an American shrine. It's there for you to come in. So I um, put on headphones, listened to the entire show, uh, did laps around the place, Lake Placid's such a beautiful town, man. I, I went back there since I wrote The Grateful Pilgrimage. I went back there three times just uh, for kicks. And um, the the other cool thing, like I, I relived the whole Grateful Dead thing in there, took my time, really enjoyed it. Um, by the way, a great, great deal to end that first set. Uh, Jerry played such amazing tunes that night. First Terrapin of the tour, et cetera, et cetera. But the other cool thing I did was I had, the, obviously, on YouTube. I watched the, um, the U.S. Olympic uh, victory. I'm sitting in Herbrook's Arena watching, the you know, on YouTube, the, the highlights of that game, man. It was so cool. They, they got a museum there in uh, Herbrook's Arena, and, you know, it's a bunch of jerseys, and very, very well done, as most museums do. But there's nothing like actually sitting in the place where the magic happened and being able to either see or rel- or listen to the magic. So um, for, for me, like doing something like this, going to an, an arena where something happened and listening to the music or seeing the hockey game, nothing beats that. You, there's no museum could recreate that. And I've seen a lot of great museums. Uh, Bethel Woods has a great museum. I do some volunteering up there. But there's nothing like going to where the stage was. The stage isn't there anymore, but there's a plaque. And then you could look up and see that these artists played for half a million people. And you could actually listen to it. You could be in the space, the space that inspired them. 
So that that was uh, the, the the pilgrimage. You know, just um, get, getting into um, it's getting as close as you could get to reliving it, going back to these venues and getting in. Then after Lake Placid, my next stop was Portland, and Portland was the only show um, that I missed that tour. But I I have a love for Portland and seen a lot of concerts up there. I've seen the Dead and Cumberland County Civic Center. Uh, a few times after after the 83 show. The 83 show is very good. I wish I had been there. I guess I must have hit a little rut in the tour where I either needed rest or I had to find a way to scrap together some money to continue on. But now the Cumberland, it's called, I can't remember what it's called, but it's not the Cumberland Civic Center, Cumberland County Civic Center any, anymore, which is the coolest name ever for a, for a venue. It's a shame they lost that name. And the Grateful Dead played in there eight times, but they never played Cumberland Blues, a little uh, trivia for you. And ate a lot of lobster, uh, listened to the 83 show. And while I'm up there, I went to Augusta. Um, I seen the, the Dead in Augusta in 1984, a pair of shows. Those were phenomenal shows. That's another great tour, the 1984 tour. And Augusta Civic Center is still called that. It still looks like it did back in 1984. Like I almost, I, I really, that was the one time I had a flashback. I went to Augusta and I walked up the hill and I felt like I was on tour again with the Grateful Dead. It just kind of hit me that I, I had like a little flashback thing going on. And um, they played a great show there, October 12th. Uncle John's playing, Uncle John's Morning Dew. It was, it was ridiculous, man. It was so, such a good time. Uh, so I was glad I was able to make these little side trips and see some venues besides the 1983 itinerary. So after Portland, uh, the next uh, the next stop was Worcester. I was at both those shows. That was the first time the Grateful Dead played Worcester in 1983. And uh, to get into Worcester, uh, it was pretty much closed the two days of the anniversary, the 20th and the 21st. On the 20th, I found out that they were having a Massachusetts... Uh, state police graduation and this was going on 8 30 in the morning so I woke up in Portland six in the morning drove to Worcester just to get into the police graduation so I could listen to the show and it, it was a lot of I think I had more fun than anybody there there was a lot of uh, all the graduates were there a bunch of every state trooper in Massachusetts or at least half of them and uh, and me and I'm walking around with headphones listening to 10 20 83 the help on the way Slipknot Franklin's Having a great time. I was, you know, who else would go into a Massachusetts State Police graduation, um, except if you were involved in the event? And I guess I didn't look suspicious because maybe I look like a little, I'm bald now. Maybe I look a little bit like a detective, like I belonged. But um, yeah, it was it was very very cool to get in there for a couple hours into Worcester. Then I headed over while I'm on this pilgrimage, man. I headed over to Springfield. Two stops there. The um, I wanted to see the Springfield Civic Center, which is now the uh, Mass Mass Mutual Arena, something like that. Who, who cares? But it's the Sp- Springfield Civic Center. The Dead had a great history there. Uh, they played there 74, 77, 79. I saw them there the last two times they played in 85. Uh, very cool to check that out. And while I was there, I went to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, and there's also the Grateful Dead connections there with Bill Walton and... All the time he took his uh, Hall of Fame uh, teammates like uh, Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. I think Dennis Johnson was a Hall of Famer too. They all went to dead shows in 1985 in uh, Worcester. So you got the, the, the basketball uh, connection there. And on the on the way to, after Springfield, uh, I'm heading out to Syracuse slowly. 
Uh, Syracuse was six hours uh, from Worcester, so I made one more stop at Cooperstown. Um, Baseball Hall of Fame, had a good time there. Uh, Made it to Syracuse. Uh, The 83 Syracuse show was the only show which didn't blow me away at the time in in 1983, Uh, but it was cool to be there. Um, They played uh, three shows at the Syracuse Carrier Dome. Um, The best one was 1984. I had to miss it. It was the only the only show I missed that tour was my brother's bar mitzvah. I have forgiven them, but they played such a great show. I mean, October twentieth, nineteen eighty four, maybe the best Jack Straw ever. So I put on my headphones and I was like, it was a, there was a purpose. I came here. I heard the the Jacks, the great Syracuse Straw, at the Carrier Dome. So uh, that that worked out pretty cool. And for my final stop, I um I was. Done with Syracuse, heading back to New Paltz. It was a an am- amazing journey. Uh, felt great. Probably felt in better shape than I did after uh, 1983. Man, in 1983, we were pretty worn out. Um, and also, after the Syracuse show 1983, I'll never forget this. We pulled over the side of the road to get some rest before going home. And then it's, there was like an icy, a cold, icy rain. And I woke up the next... Nobody could drive. We, we wanted to pull over. And I turned on the radio... And that's when I heard about the Beirut bombing. It had just happened where 241 Marines got killed in Lebanon. Uh, I'll never forget that. I was t- the ice was chopping the ice off my window. And hearing that was a, it was a bummer to, to end one of the, the great tours that I ever saw in my life. But um, on the way back from the pilgrimage, uh, there was a place called Hamilton, New York, not too far away, and Colgate University. So I went to um, stop by. And I got into Cotterall Gym, where the Grateful Dead played on November 4th, 1977. By the way, November 4th is my birthday, so there's a little extra uh, attachment there. But that Colgate show is so freaking great. Uh, just a, a monster show. And this place is like a quarter of the size of, of Cornell, of Barton Hall. A little, little tiny gym. And it was just unbelievable that the Grateful Dead played in there. I was so glad I stopped off and got, got to listen to some of that uh, Colgate show. 1977, before I wrapped up the uh, the pilgrimage. All right, so that wrap, wraps up episode three of Deadology. I'm your host, Howard Weiner, and hopefully this inspires you to go back to the source, go back to the venue. If you're, if you're in Colorado, go to Red Rocks on the anniversary of the Grateful Dead shows, listen to the shows, hang on the parking lot, whatever, man. Going back to the source and... Uh, going on little pilgrimages like this is, is the coolest thing, and it's probably as close uh, as you could get to experiencing the uh, in in spirit, experiencing the uh, Grateful Dead again. Very cool thing to do. And um, once again, my book's available on TangledUpInTunes.com and Amazon, The Grateful Pilgrimage, and all my other books. Thanks for listening, and I'm having a lot of fun doing this podcast, so I'll be back soon. I'm going to try and make this a weekly thing. Peace out.